Welcome to the Felicity Fueled Podcast, here to deliver you the highest quality fuel for living your best life. If you like it, feel free to subscribe and thank you again for your support. Please note that any information or advice on this podcast from the host or guests should be used at your own risk. The Felicity Fueled Podcast assumes no responsibility for the decisions of the listeners. Thank you and enjoy the podcast. Hey guys, welcome to the Felicity Fueled Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. I really appreciate the support. So today I am talking to my sister Olivia and her boyfriend Nick, and they are both physical therapists, and they recently moved from Long Island, where we're originally from, out to Palm Desert, California. I thought it would be an interesting topic to discuss how as a couple they work in the same occupation and how they got into physical therapy, what they like about it, what they don't, challenges, all that jazz. So it could be interesting for people looking to get into this as a career and then also just how as a couple, how they deal with working in the same occupation. I'm pretty grateful now that I have family out here because I moved out to LA about six years ago and I've been alone. I don't have any immediate family out here. So now having my sister and her boyfriend very close to me, it's pretty awesome. So before we jump into this episode, I just wanted to talk about one of my favorite health foods, which is algae, specifically chlorella and spirulina. I've been incorporating this into my diet for many years, very long time, and whether you're keto, vegan, paleo, gluten-free, it's suitable for anyone, and the health benefits are really outstanding. Algae is by far one of the most nutrient-dense foods on the planet, and it's super rich in vitamins, minerals, amino acids, and essential fatty acids. And as far as health benefits, I mean, I could go on forever, but some of the key points is that it's excellent for reducing inflammation and oxidative damage in the body. It's also great for detoxing heavy metals and unwanted molecules, maintaining blood sugar control, and having overall benefits on mental and physical stamina. And so with all the health benefits, one thing I do want to note is that algae does have a very distinct flavor and taste. And for some people, you know, it could it could taste almost like fishy or, or like seaweed, which some people don't like. And I completely understand that because for a long time, I personally didn't really enjoy the flavor that much. And I would usually just take it in a tablet or capsule and just swallow it with some water so I wouldn't notice it. But Um, once in a while I would try blending it in my smoothies and it it was okay, but I just think that, you know, I never really found a brand that I liked the flavor enough to want to taste it. And it wasn't until recently I was working at the Metabolic Health Summit, which is basically a ketogenic conference that they have in LA. And one of the brands that I became friends with there was Energy Bits. And they are a company that sells spirulina and chlorella tablets so they were telling me that you could chew them because they taste a lot better than most brands and I was a little bit skeptical because it wasn't something that I normally did but I have to say I chewed them both the spirulina and chlorella but I did like the chlorella better but I was in absolute love with the flavor and taste they were mixing it with some sea salt And I was just munching on them, and it was amazing. In addition to the flavor, in about 30 minutes, I just noticed that my energy 
was so increased. I felt vibrant and my eyes were literally glowing because of the amount of chlorophyll that was flooding my body. So I don't say this lightly because I'm very picky with brands. If you are looking to add the superfood into your diet, do not look any further but Energy Bits and you can get 20% off your order with my code FELICITY and you could try it out for yourself. I really think you're going to love the health benefits and how it makes you feel. So once again, it's energybits.com and use my code FELICITY for 20% off your order. Just enter it at checkout. Now... On to the podcast! Hey guys, how are we all doing? Good. Hey. hey. So. so, you know, as everyone knows, the whole COVID-19 thing has been straining on us being able to hang out with others, but if you're safe about it, I think that it's okay, you know, just take proper precaution, and so we decided we wanted to take a visit, and I could see my beloved sister, <laughs> and I thought it would be fun to have a conversation about their journey as physical therapists, and how as a couple, they have the same occupation, and they recently moved from Long Island, where we're both from, uh, out to here, and I'm very grateful to have family out here now that we can hang out with, but yeah, so now I'm just opening the floor and I'm pretty excited to have this conversation. So Olivia and Nick, what has this transition been like for you thus far, moving from New York to Palm Desert? Well, um, we recently graduated in September and then we had to study for like an entire month, which was definitely challenging, but we both fortunately passed our boards so after that we were kind of just hunting for jobs and we didn't really know much about palm desert but then some people were like oh palm desert's great so we took a trip out here visited it loved it and then we kind of just accepted jobs yeah pretty took much the plunge yeah within a week of being out here we kind of interviewed with the jobs that we had lined up uh found apartment kind of right where it needed to be found jobs right where we needed it and everything kind of fell into place and it was one of those things where we didn't know what we wanted but it was too good of an opportunity not to take and if we didn't like it we always knew that we could go back and kind of figure it out as we went along and moved on yeah I mean and it 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 felt right you know I, I remember when you guys came out here I was ecstatic you know because mom and dad haven't even came out to visit me <laughs> but, you know so the chance to have my sibling come out here with her significant other was pretty awesome. But, um, you know, I was just surprised because I know it's a big jump to kind of go from the East Coast to the West Coast kind of on a whim. But in your guys' situation, you know, you're young, you're not married, you don't have kids. Like, there's nothing really anchoring you from staying in New York, you know. So why not explore and get to travel a little bit before, you know, you want to settle down a little more. Um, I mean, what were, what do you think was the biggest challenges moving cross country and starting a career in a completely different state? Timing. Yeah. I think timing was the toughest part. Just a matter of trying to make sure, because when you get a license for physical therapy, you get it by state. And uh, we got our licenses for New York. So knowing that we were moving to California, then we had to work on transferring those licenses to California. And that's just a matter of kind of getting your paperwork in. And then depending on how long it takes, it could take a couple of weeks. It could take a couple of months. We didn't really know. So fortunately enough, her jobs kind of were able to kind of hold their positions and wait for us until we had everything done. 
So I think that was one of the biggest things. I mean, at least in my opinion. And then kind of just timing out when we would be able to get into our apartment, when all of our stuff would kind of get here, when we started work. I think it was just a lot, a lot of stuff that had to happen in a little bit of time. And luckily it worked out. Yeah, and we had some pressure from like both our parents because they were kind of like, you're moving across the country? And they, they were supportive, but I think they were both a little shocked that we went so drastically as soon as we as soon as we graduated but we were just so eager to work and just kind of start our lives because we were both living at home and we were kind of both going crazy a little bit yeah i mean i was a little surprised too to be honest because i mean i mean you know how my life's been but like i know you've been you're i think a little bit more of a structured person than i am so for you to kind of take that jump i was like oh okay but i was i was really excited about it because i thought it would be really good for you guys to experience that change but um i mean what was as a couple okay i mean a little change of topic but um as a couple you know both studying the same field did you ever notice like was there any feelings of competitiveness or did you really feel like it was a team effort and you were helping each other i mean was it where was like the symmetry between you guys like being able to study the same field definitely team effort yeah i think it worked out pretty well because we some some background (laughs) noise someone's getting in a fight (laughs) (laughs) well because i think since we both kind of study different things like within the field it really helps because we get to like bounce ideas off each other and we both have different strengths yeah and definitely just in terms of structure in general i am not a structured person so the thought of having to studying for our licensing exam for six weeks beforehand every day kind of just was not a thing that I would have done and would have done well if I didn't have someone telling me what to do and that I needed to do it and ignoring me until I did it kind of thing. So I think I spent more time in the library in the first two days than I ever have my entire life put together. But I knew that's what I should have done and what I had to do to be able to kind of enjoy our time when we weren't there. And I also kind of felt a little bit responsible because I knew if I didn't do well or if like, if I didn't want to do something, I didn't want to make her feel bad about it and kind of like slack off with her studying. So I think it was a little bit, I got forced to do what I was supposed to do. And I don't think I would have done that if it was on my own. Yeah. Well, I mean, from what you told me, I mean, I think you, you have a sense of structure, though. Not with school. Okay. Studying. Yeah, not with school stuff. <laughs> with other recreational activities and, like, other things like hiking and, like, doing stuff, I'm, I'm much more planned and structured than I am with, like, school and doing stuff that I don't like doing. So you guys genuinely pushed each other, like, as a couple. And was there ever a kind of, like, a conversation between you guys where, like, look, if you know, we're in this relationship and we both want to be successful, so we have to push each other if we want to get the future we want. Was there, like, ever those type of conversations? I would push him to, like, pick up, you know, just pick it up a little, and then he would push me to kind of calm down. So I think it kind of worked, you know, it worked out well, because he would force me to, like, take lunch breaks, and I... (laughs) Barely. Yeah, but it worked, you know, it worked out that it was, like, a happy medium. That's good. I mean, because... I feel like sometimes 
in situations like that, you know, when couples, if they're in the same industry or whatnot, like, you know, there can be a sense of competition and then like it can get out of control a little bit or, you know, having that right balance can create the momentum for both people to be like, okay, we got to push each other to make this work. Kind of like how mom and dad were, you know what I mean? Like they, they genuinely were a team and, you know, I think that's how like being in a relationship should be. And so I commend you guys on that. Um, it makes me happy. You know, because obviously I want my sister to be in a great relationship. Um, but so also I wanted to kind of touch, I mean, this is a little personal, but, you know, you guys were good friends before you guys actually started dating. So like being in school together as friends and then deciding like, oh, okay, kind of want to take the leap into something else. Like how, how did that like transition and like, did it? Was there any, like, awkwardness into becoming, like, friends and then becoming a couple? Or did it just, like, happen so naturally you didn't even think about it? I think it was pretty natural. Yeah, I think it was more unnatural to other people. Because, you know, we were both in, like, long-term relationships before that. But, like, to us it seemed really natural. But, like, kind of to other people they were like, what's happening? Because we kind of started dating, you know, pretty soon after we ended our last relationships. But... You know, we spent pretty much, like, every day together for three years and, like, spent so much, like, you know, PT school is kind of intimate. You have to, like, massage and you're always touching each other. And, you know, we spent a lot of, like, intimate time together. And studying is just, you know, it's stressful and we got to see, like, every kind of side of each other. So, to us, it just was, like, a natural kind of progression, but... Yeah, I think with PT school, you spend more time with the people in your class than you do with anyone, anybody else, friends, family, anybody, whether you like them or not. So when you find someone that you do like and you do get along with and you're spending all that time together, you get to see them when things are good, things are bad, when you don't want to be there, when you do want to be there. See their true colors. So, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. So kind of, that's why I think, again, it was kind of so natural was that we had previously spent so much time together that there weren't really any surprises once we actually started dating. Like, we knew how we reacted to different situations. We kind of knew, obviously, likes and dislikes and stuff like that. We worked in group projects together. (laughs) We knew a little bit about neurotic tendencies that some people have that others don't. But, again, that's one of those things that kind of made things work out so well because you can kind of see where you can kind of bounce off each other and compliment each other and have things really work out for the best for the both of you so yeah I'm like I always found that fascinating when like you kind of look at couples and if they have the background as friends first versus like they meet each other and it's kind of intimate right away because like you know with Mike and I it was we really didn't know each other before we kind of started dating and but we kind of became friends you know slowly but then we kind of dated right away you know versus like we didn't know each other for years beforehand so it's kind of fascinating to like see the difference in couples that start as friends first or they work together first and then it develops you know kind of like how like Brittany and Ralph (laughs) maybe a little different but um yeah so you know that's that's a cool background that you guys have like going to school together first and then developing and now here you guys are you moved across country together I mean that's like a pretty amazing thing and I just want to give a shout out to my sister because I'm very proud of her for, for doing that. <laughs> Not physically. <laughs> um, so, okay, on another note, I wanted to kind of, to people out there that are interested in 
uh, going into physical therapy as an occupation and a job, you know, what was it like studying? What was it like achieving the ability to do that as a job? You know, like how, how hard was it? What was the fun things? What was the negative things? I mean, just for people that are interested in pursuing that as a career, like what is something, what are things that they should know about getting into that? Um, I mean, it's just, you know, a crap ton of work. If, you know, if you're not willing to put seven years of college into it, then, you know. Get the fuck out. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But, you know, I, it's kind of different because I am a little bit neurotic and kind of wanted a 4.0. So I took studying a lot seriously and I. You're a high strung bitch. (laughs) Yeah. Just kidding. (laughs) But, you know, I took a lot more time studying and everything like that. And, you know, Nick was kind of just. Fake it till you make it. <laughs> kind of. A little more laid back. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, it just depends Still on... put in the work. Exactly. Like, if you put in the work and uh, care about it, that's pretty much all that matters. Because, you know, like professors and stuff, they're not trying to fail you. They're going to help you if you're having issues. But if you don't care, then just like any kind of health field or any career, yeah. if you don't care, you know, it's not... You're not going to succeed. Yeah. And that's a pretty bad reflection. Like, if you don't care about putting in the effort to be good at what you're doing, then how are you going to take care of your patients? Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like a reflection of like how you're going to take care of people. Because people are counting on you to like walk again or. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Definitely takes sacrifice to kind of get through. And as much as kind of like Olivia said, I definitely didn't spend the hours and hours of studying as other people did. Like there were definitely things that I needed to change about my life to kind of get where I had to go. And, just because for me it wasn't it wasn't any point in particular that I really struggled with too much. It was one of those things where I just knew how quickly we were moving and that if you didn't get one thing, like you could fall behind real quick and it's real hard to catch back up. So I think kinda just having to make the sacrifices to kind of stay on top of your work and kind of stay on top of everything that you're doing and putting in the time kind of you need to be ready to do that because if you're not you're you're not going to make it through yeah because we had some classmates who you know failed a class and then they had to wait an entire year to take it over again and that's just you know that's crazy yeah some people wait some people you know wait the year and do it but they don't don't wait for you to catch up on your work so if you are just messing around and not doing it then (laughs) yeah I think that's a big thing too where it's like you you're not guaranteed that second chance either like you can fail a class by a half a point but they're pretty strict on those on those guidelines where if you need an 80 and you get a 79.4 like or 79.6 they don't round that up and I think just kind of having the professor see who you are as a person and Kind of, again, like, if you're messing around, slacking off, and you fail, they're going to take it a lot differently than if you're busting your ass and doing everything you have to do when you fail. So that, showing that effort can be the matter of you getting a second chance or you wasting your time before that and not getting that chance again, so. Yeah, and, like, you know, we both had jobs during school, and it's not like we couldn't do anything, because, like, you know, we still went on trips and... Still golfed. Yeah. So. <laughs> like you know, we still had country kitchen. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we still had lives, but you know, it's just definitely you have to make like a lot of sacrifices. Yeah, well, I feel like you know, going into the medical field, it's a huge commitment on time, effort, energy, all that. You know, so 
I mean, as far as so we're we're looking at basically four years of undergrad, and then three years of res- grad school. Grad school. Yeah. Is there like I forget? Is there residency or is it like um, internship? Yeah, like clinicals um, are built in. So what we had. Um, we had one six week clinical first off after our first three semesters, and then it alternated between didactic work and clinical work each time. So our first clinical was six weeks, our second and third were eight weeks long, and then we finished our schoolwork before graduating with a 16 week uh, clinical. Yeah, so during those, like you're working full time at a place, not getting paid. So it's like if you do a part time job, you can't work during the week. And. Uh, yeah, like you're pretty much just working, which, you know, yeah, you get taken advantage of, but it's really good experience, and you actually get to, like, work in the field, and you get to pick, you know, there's certain ones you have to do, but then you get to pick kind of, like, specialty ones, like I did two neuro ones, because that's kind of what I like to do, and Nick did, like, a sport strength yeah. conditioning one, so you have some flexibility, but... You have to do like one, you know, inpatient boring one that, I mean, it's not boring to some people, but, <laughs> but, you know, most people. It's not what they're looking forward to when they get into physical therapy. Yeah, it's like you're part. in a nursing home or a hospital and kind of just like, you know, but you're required to do one of those. It's not the glorious work that <laughs> that people want it to be. No, but, but some people love it. Some people love like working with old people. Yeah. Well, it's like after grad school, because I mean, you know, once you kind of hone in like, okay, I'm going to work in medicine or you know I want to work in the field of healthcare where I can better people's lives I mean like what made you choose physical therapy over something else I think athletic background kind of played a big part and I knew I knew playing sports and kind of just being active my whole life I definitely wasn't a sit behind a desk and do work as like an accountant or like an engineer or something like that my entire life I knew I wanted to be be up and be active and be doing things so being able to do that and kind of help people that either haven't been able to do that their entire lives or the people that want to get back to that, uh, that's kind of what drew me to PT, so. Yeah, like same kind of thing, because I uh, always had like really crappy ankles, so I went to physical therapy a bunch of times for them, (laughs) and then uh, I was like, wow, this is kind of cool, it like works, and you know, I saw like other patients there kind of like doing similar things for like all different reasons and it was just kind of a cool a cool feel because it's like kind of relaxed but yet like super serious <laughs> so i don't know it was definitely just a cool field what what about like versus like occupational therapy because i remember i i almost wanted to get into that um i mean i work with a lot of like occupational therapists because in in like, the neuro kind of like in the neuro field I work with like a lot of stroke patients and uh, they have to do occupational therapy for like occupational therapy is basically getting you back into like your working life and your overall like living life. Like after an injury or something that. Yeah. So it's usually after like, it's usually, it's usually with like kids and uh, stroke patients and just like someone who like breaks their hand because it's a lot of like fine motor stuff. So it teaches someone how to write again, how to put on clothes again, how to put their shoes on, how to like... How to wipe their ass. Yeah, literally. How to go to the bathroom, how to cook, how to do everything to function as a human. So, you know, in my, like the neuro field, occupational therapy has like a huge, huge role because we don't have, we're working 
on like how to walk again and how to do like big movements again and they're working on like the super small like how to button your shirt and like because we don't have time for that because you know each session for me is only like 45 minutes to an hour and in that session we're alert we're working on like <laughs> we're working on like <laughs> yeah, we're, we're opening some drinks you know wine I'm having some gin and then can what a can 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 wine from uh, Trader Joe's <clears throat> shout out. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Trader Joe's. I I I worked there for fucking 3 years. <laughs> just, just saying. I was talking. <laughs> anyway, back to what we were saying. Occupational therapists teach people how to open up their canned wine. Yeah, no literally. So, yeah, like the, so, the it's almost like my like macro versus micro. Yeah, and like yeah. in you know like with neuro patients, sometimes like I'll take an entire session like just working on like that one leg so I have no time to work on their arm that could also be like equally affected. Yeah. So that's why like they have a occupational therapy after that to work on just the arm. So like yeah, it's it's not you know, so many people think occupational therapy is like, oh, upper extremity versus like lower extremity, but it's really that's not the case. It's really just like a time issue. That, like, sometimes, like, we don't have time to do both extremities. So, like, because I'll spend an hour on just strengthening, like, their leg and then working on gait for, like, walking and stuff. And then the occupational therapist only works on their hand and arm. So, but, yeah. you know, occupational therapy, <laughs> sorry, but occupational therapy, like, you know, it's, it's just a different, it's just a different field. Yeah, I think it's definitely, I mean, obviously, like, pretty much everything they kind of complement each other yeah. uh, pretty well because even I work in orthopedics and we don't necessarily do all that fine motor mm-hmm. stuff where we're teaching people how to open up a canned wine or a button their shirt or anything like that we're we're more so focusing on making sure that they have the ability to do those things and then we they go to occupational therapy to actually do them so we're kind of just giving them the foundation and the occupational therapists are the ones that are making sure they can kind of carry out the actual task itself. Yeah, like so like Nick's making sure they can lift their arm, but like the occupational therapy like therapist makes sure they can like grip the doorknob to like a cabinet. Right. So it's kind of like, yeah, they build on each other. Yeah, they complement each other very well. So this is definitely, I think, a question that most people in the healthcare field probably think about before they're getting in. like working in this field where you're constantly surrounded by people that are struggling and trying to overcome difficulties in their lives, is it hard for you to not take it home with you, like to be affected by that energy? Or is it something that like you've gotten used to? I mean, how do you deal with that? I definitely think it's tough to not take it home with you. Because I mean, if you're in the field, it's because you care about people. Um, And if you truly care about them, it's not, you're not just thinking about them for that 45 minutes you're with them. Uh, especially again being as active as we are and I mean we deal with people all day long who were active and were athletes and were golfing 18 holes a day five days a week kind of thing and now they can yeah so it's kind of it's kind of one of those things where we do what we like to do and what we can because I mean what we enjoy because we can and these people can't do that anymore. So even kind of just with this whole quarantine going on, thinking about like all the things that we would usually be doing but can't, this is what some of these people feel like, 
on a day-to-day basis whether there's a pandemic or not just from yeah. different injuries and stuff where they can't do the things that they like they can't go hike they can't go play tennis and it's they're coming to get that help and they're coming to get it from you and they're relying on you to do that and to give that back to them so it's definitely something that's kind of that does come back with you but touches home yeah yeah at the same time you also have to think that you're doing as long as you're doing the best that you can to get them to that spot i don't think it comes back to you in a negative place like there are always going to be doubts about if you're giving the best treatment or giving kind of them the best opportunity to get to where they want to go to but i also think at the same time you have to look at it the other way and say hey i'm giving them a chance because if they weren't coming to you you don't know if they would have that chance at all so yeah, yeah. so it's, it's definitely there's a sense of like huge gratification oh yeah more yeah, than really. anything that you come home with yeah. like the only thing i guess like advice i would give if because i've done i did like a clinical in pediatrics and now i kind of work with like adults and pediatrics mixed together and if you I don't know, because, like, I had a very hard time when I was a student working in, like, my pediatric clinical, because I would come home, like, every day super depressed, because, you know, you see some kids with, like, you know, super, like, crippling disorders and diseases that, like, some don't have a life expectancy past, like, 20. Did you ever cry a good amount? Yeah. Like, I... So, most of the times, like, in the clinic, if I felt like I was going to cry, it was because of the parents' reaction, because, like, they would, the parents would start crying, or the parents would, so then, but, like, you know, I, I never cried in the clinic, but even just starting this new job, um, one of the days, you know, I saw this, like, super, you know, adorable four-year-old kid who, um, has Duchenne's muscular dystrophy, which is pretty much, like, He's not going to make it past 25 if he's, like, super, super lucky. And I was treating him, and he was just, like, the cutest, you know, cutest thing ever. And, like, you know, we both have a niece that's four years old. So I just kind of thinking about, like, her and him. Um, Nick picked me up for work, and I literally just, like, broke down in the car. Like, started hysterically crying because he was, like, my last patient of the day. And I, like, he was so happy. And so, like, seeing him so happy, but, like, knowing what I knew, I was just, like, oh, my God. And he was a twin, and his twin also had it. So just, like, thinking about that like affecting the parents and just so like if you you know and I think I'll get better with time with like dealing with those situations but that was probably like the worst I guess reaction I've had like you know emotionally because it's just different because like you know working with like an older stroke patient they're usually in good spirits you know because they're older and like lived a long life but like yeah. seeing kids with disabilities like that it's definitely like a lot more challenging because like they don't know what's going on yeah and it's you know it's they're just kind of a victim of their unfortunate situation yeah you know but it's it's probably really nice knowing that having a partner that also works in the same field like you can relate to each other and like you understand how each other are feeling and yeah i mean that's that's it's intense i mean i think people should be aware like if they're going into healthcare. Like, having a sense of empathy is extremely important because you don't want to be that doctor that just is like, oh, you're in and out and, like, they, they don't even make eye contact or have this connection with you at all, you know? But, like, physical therapy is, like, definitely, I feel like, more connective. Like, yeah, well, you, you have to know what's we going were, on with your patient. Yeah, like, we were just saying the other day because sometimes patients just want to come to therapy to talk. And, honestly, if that's what the patient wants to do, like, whatever. Because, like, we would rather 
we would rather have the patient have a good experience at physical therapy than just like go through 50 exercises yeah. and not talk and not have you know and not feel comfortable and not feel so we were saying like yeah you have to treat them as a person not just as an injury walking through the door yeah, yeah. certain patients if they keep talking i'm like come on we gotta do stuff yeah <laughs> but like other because it's like okay you're just kind of wasting your money you <laughs> yeah, know like, like yeah, exactly. trying to give like, you some exercises here yeah, yeah, yeah we always gotta let the let's walk and talk but like you know sometimes if they just want to like <laughs> kind of just slack off and like do some stuff you just sometimes you gotta let them because otherwise they're not gonna want to come back if they don't have a good experience you have to build that relationship and yeah. build that relationship and then you can joke around and... And, yeah and at the same time too if they like you they'll trust you they'll they'll also feel that sense of kind of responsibility to do best by you I kind of found so like I said if you can build a good relationship with them and like I said some days if they just need to kind of do the bare minimum basics and just talk about things you'll get more progress in that than you will doing the most advanced things that they could possibly handle just because they'll know that you actually care yeah and, yeah yeah in like our field i mean we're lucky both our jobs are like one-on-one with patients for like about you know 45 minutes to an hour some clinics you know you see them for 10 minutes and then you're off to a different patient but we like the more like one-on-one like you yeah. spend an hour with the patient. It's a long, yeah. it's a long time to like yeah, talk that, to someone. And, that yeah. is, especially if it's like on a consistent schedule, yeah. you know, and you're seeing them regularly. It's hard to kind of not develop like a relationship beyond just their physical injury. Mm-hmm. I mean, that kind of brings me to the idea, like how interrelated the mind and body are. You know, because a lot of times people need the therapy of just communicating and opening up and talking about their emotions because you know, a lot of people's injuries, it's, it's also like emotionally tied. Mm-hmm. And so you guys are kind of going beyond just the scope of like helping them physically, you know, but like you're also helping them emotionally, like get over the situation, you yeah. know, cause a lot of them are experiencing like trauma, Yeah. you know? So it like when you were in, when you were in school, did you kind of, did you ever like realize that you would also be dealing with people's emotions just as much as you would be dealing with the physical was like is that something that they they prepped you for i don't think they did no truthfully they definitely didn't in like because like the clinicals that i went with like you know not that orthopedic patients can't have like you know emotional problems also but neuro patients just seem to have a lot more because it's a more of like a life-changing thing you know all of a sudden like you've had a stroke and you can't walk or like you've had a TBI and you can't, you know, you got a car accident and now you're brain damaged, you know? So they, there was no classes to like prepare us for that. So that's definitely something that they should have done. Cause I was dealing with patients that were spitting on me, crying, you know, trying to slap me, like trying to, <laughs> and there was, yeah. And I like, just trying like, or just yelling and being angry and there was no <laughs> preparation for that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. even, even in orthopedics, like I think it's definitely a big a big thing too because I was lucky I got to work in a physical therapy clinic all through undergrad and grad school and stuff so I kind of knew like what that environment was like and working with patients and kind of talking to them and dealing with them pretty much sometimes more than the therapist did themselves because I was the one that was kind of spending the 45 minutes of the hour-long treatment with them because the therapist had other people that they were dealing with other things that they had to do and stuff and even now, kind of just going through school and going through, like, outside, like, 
self-education kind of stuff. Like, there are certain conditions that are just pretty much hand-in-hand tied with emotional status and anxieties and kind of stresses and stuff like that where it makes a difference. So if you don't have that mindset, that positive mindset that you're going to get better or just that positive relationship with your PT, like it's not, you can do all the exercise you want. Like it's not going to get as good as it could if you kind of still have that negativity and have that, have that stuff that you're dealing with outside the clinic. So. Yeah. I think that just kind of goes to show that like the mind and body, they're both powerful tools and they have to kind of be interconnected to fully heal. So, I mean, to kind of summarize, I guess, like the experiences that you guys have had getting into this field, what would be your, your biggest tips and the biggest things to kind of be aware of getting into this, if someone was looking to get into this field? I think you just need to be prepared to work. Uh, I think that would be my biggest tip on it, where you can't be kind of on the fence about this. If you want it, you need to you need to be all in, 100%. Because if you're not, it's going to show. And if it doesn't show in school, it'll show in your patients. Like, you're, if you're not putting 100% in, your patients aren't going to put 100% in. And you're going to realize that other PTs' patients are getting better and they're leaving and they're not spending as much time in there as, as your patients are. And I don't know about anybody else, but that makes me feel pretty crappy. I don't want... I don't want PT to be a place where people spend too much time. Like, I love dealing with the people. I love that they feel comfortable. But I kind of want them in and out as quick as they can. I want to give them the tools that they don't need to keep coming to PT. But they can always kind of reach out to me if they need it. Sort of thing. Where, I don't know, I just feel like I have more of a responsibility to kind of get them on their own and get them independent as quickly as I possibly can. Yeah. So I think if you're not looking to put in the work to do that, then I get don't, out. Yeah, yeah like don't physically and mentally. Like, physically. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're like lifting people's legs, and some people are hefty, <laughs> hefty people. Hefty people. Yeah. But I would probably say just to like be open-minded to work or to like have to deal with every kind of person imaginable like you know the creepy old man the person that doesn't say one word to you the person that like <laughs> tries to touch you the person that like yeah if you don't like feet and you think that you're <laughs> not you're never gonna see a foot patient you're you're wrong yeah but like you know even just like you know some patients will like try to hug and kiss you and be like no like you know like <laughs> not, not yeah there's nothing wrong with like having an old lady like kiss you on the cheek but just like you know, some patients try to give you gifts, and you're like, no. Like, like create <laughs> healthy boundaries. Yeah, and like some, in the work some patients won't say a word to you the whole hour, and you're, like, talking to yourself, and you're like, oh, <laughs> are you having any pain with that? And they don't say anything. I'm like, okay. <laughs> you can talk. And then, you know, just dealing with, like, every kind of person, like the awkward teenager that doesn't want to talk to you, or, like, the <laughs> awkward teenager that does want to talk to you. <laughs> so pretty much just dealing with, like, every every kind of person. And so then, as a couple, what would you say tips to people, to, to couples that are in the same fields? What are some of the tips you would give to kind of helping the relationship balance and work off each other and not ever become an issue working in the same field? Just like help each other. Yeah, I think, I don't think there's anything wrong with competition, but you better make it healthy competition because, I mean, you're going you're gonna to have like, you know, different patients, different days, every day. But 
like we said with studying and even just getting to this point itself like if you push each other to be better then it's gonna work but if you kind of compete and like try and get a better test score than each other and like that crap's not gonna work like, yeah that's like, not a thing don't be afraid to like ask questions like i ask yeah, Nick questions all the time like if i have a meniscus you know someone who tore their meniscus and like i don't feel 100 you know 100 comfortable i always ask nick like what can i do with them yeah <laughs> what do i do i twitch it so i want to send them over to your clinic and give them a neuro yeah because yeah. i know that i would not give them the best care so like i have no problem it's it's humbling because you could very easily kind of find yourself in the wrong place where you have no idea what's going on. Yeah. And there then, is so much that happens with the human body that absolutely. It, is, it is very easy to kind of spiral. So And like what better than having your partner and your the love of your life be that support yeah, <laughs> that you yeah, need definitely. like in that field, you know, because I mean studying for a career and like also, you, you know, you guys are so young. I mean, um, you know, it was when you're first starting out in this industry and this will kind of be the one of the, the last few questions I kind of ask is I'm sure a lot of people are interested in this. Like when you're first starting out in this industry, being so young, is it intimidating or do you feel like people don't take you as seriously because you're young? Um, kind of, especially yeah. like what well, kind of more as a female, I guess. I know that's like, you know, yeah, I don't think we've grown out of that time, but sometimes if like an older male patient, you know, like sometimes I feel like they don't cause they're just like, Oh, Sweetie, yeah, you're so yeah. cute. Hey, mom, yeah. like, ah. I don't know about that. I'm not yeah. yeah. <laughs> But like, you know, so I feel like sometimes it's just like the older males who are kind of just like, because they more just want to talk, and they're like, oh, look at this young lady. She's just telling me to do stuff. But How cute. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I I think it's definitely a very easy thing to kind of fall into that if you're on the younger side and especially if you're dealing with kind of older patients where like these people are someone's parents, someone's grandparents and stuff like that. It's easy for them if they're not in a good mood to kind of just pretty much tell you, no, they're not doing anything or kind of question you. But at the same time, like if you made it through school and everything, you have the experience that you need. So, I mean, I haven't really recently had anybody kind of question, question my like ability, but I'm pretty sure if I kind of told them the people that I've worked with in the past and all the schooling and everything that we have to know and have to learn about the body, if that doesn't kind of get through their head that I'm prepared and I'm able to do it, then they can gladly go see someone else that can give them a better answer. Because, again, am I saying I'm the best PT in the world to them? Absolutely not. But I will tell them that I will do everything I can to get them better. And I have no problem sending them to someone else if I know that someone else knows more about a certain topic than I do. Like I said, I have no issues kind of coming home and asking Olivia about, like, neuro questions or something like that. I have no problem going to my coworkers. And I think when patients know that, they kind of trust you a little bit more because they know that, they're lo- that you're looking out for them. Yeah, they just have that, to be confident. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, you just have to, like... Yeah. I mean, your time commitment and experience kind of speaks for itself because let's be honest, a lot of people, majority of people would not be able to even make it through four years of school, let alone seven and, you know, all the work that goes into that. You know, it's a huge commitment. Um, and so lastly, I kind of want to ask with all this craziness going on with COVID-19, how has this affected your work? 
Well, luckily, I, like, our clinic shut down pretty early. It was shut down, like, March 16th. Um, and they made that decision, like, you know, just to obviously, like, stop the spread and everything. Um, but we're doing some telehealth stuff, which is now, like, a lot of clinics are doing it. And, like, obviously, it's not ideal because we can't do any hands-on stuff with the patients, but it is just pretty much running them through their exercises that we were doing in the clinic anyway. And it's been a little awkward because sometimes, you know, you start, like, the Zoom meeting with a patient, they're in their kitchen, like, sitting in the, in, like, a crowded corner, and you're like, okay, we gotta get up and do exercises, and there's terrible lighting, and they're, like, fumbling with the, you know, with the iPad, and they're, you can't even see them do the exercise, so you have to say, like, oh, I, can you try to, like, prop up the video so I can see you? So sometimes it's, like, super awkward, but so far it's been doable, but the patients are usually really happy, and they're, like just happy to be doing something because they're like oh i haven't moved in three weeks technological (laughs) technological difficulties yeah and i mean it's definitely like not ideal again but it's just you know getting them moving (laughs) doing something yeah yeah i mean i'm still working i'm still we cut down one day a week so i'm still working four days a week but at the same time i have also been kind of telling my patients who are kind of towards the end i've kind of been pushing them out a little bit more saying hey you can do this on your own I don't think you need to come here like especially with all this stuff going on you were better off kind of doing your stuff at home not coming in don't risk it it's just not worth it um there are definitely some people that are kind of post-surgical who need to come in because this is the most crucial time for them and if they weren't in here there is a chance that the rest of their life kind of would not kind of go as planned as it should be after the surgery but there are a lot of people that I kind of called when this first happened that were immunocompromised and were kind of that that prime category of people who should not be going out and I pretty much told them straight up like you should not be coming in it's not safe for you like we do everything that we can here but I can't guarantee anything and if something happens that's on me and it's just not it's just not worth it and that we would kind of pick back up eventually i give my contact and kind of say if you need me you can always reach out but truthfully goes back to that whole if if it's not completely necessary just stay home kind of thing if you've been dealing with back pain for the past 25 years (laughs) wait another couple months because it's probably not going to go anywhere yeah or like try alternate therapies at home you know i just think this time is definitely the time to practice adaptation and you know not take the right precautions don't don't add the risk especially you know if you're elder you're you're in the elderly group and you're you're prone to more risk you know so so anyways i just wanted to say thank you guys for taking the time to talk about this because there's a lot of people i'm sure that are interested in getting into this field that you know, aren't sure about the future, and I, uh... Thanks for having us. Yes, to my <laughs> beloved sister and her boyfriend, Nick, and Mike, who's been kind of silently <laughs> in the corner. <laughs> but shout out to everyone right now um, going through the COVID-19. We're all struggling together, and we will make it through this. It's One day will just be a distant memory in the future. <laughs> But everyone have a great... (laughs) Yes, exactly. We will be a part of history. Thank you guys for listening, and I hope you enjoyed this. And stay tuned, because there will be plenty of more. (laughs) Bye-bye. Bye.
Well, that was a fun conversation, and I hope you guys enjoyed it and maybe took some insight from it, whether you're looking to get into physical therapy or not. It was definitely fun to talk to my beloved sister and her boyfriend about their lives, and uh, they are both very talented, intelligent people. So if you guys like what you heard, please hit the subscribe button and stay in the loop, and hopefully I will talk to you guys soon. Have a great day. Thank you.